if you are a believer and follower of Jesus, you have been transferred to the kingdom of light, and it says you sit with Jesus in the heavenly realms. It's a high place. So there's no just so, you know, that's just this person anymore. No, that's this person who's sitting next to Jesus. Helps us not, you know, maybe not be so critical for one another too. It's like, well, they are sitting next to Jesus. So if I'm talking about them like that, he might hear it. (laughs) Remember that, that person you married? And they're a believer in Jesus? Like they're sitting next to Jesus and so the things you're saying to them, do you want to say them into the ear of Jesus? The things you're doing to them, are you going to do them in front of Jesus? Now you're, well, that's a whole different message there, Pastor. Can we get back to Isaiah 61? <laughs> so we don't, want, we don't want to have anything that has to do with the, the attitude, the atmosphere, the spirit of Nazareth in our lives in order for us to walk freely in the spirit of the Lord being upon us and anointing us to do good in the world and so here's the deal so this goes of course so we go back to the source we're going to go back to isaiah 61 and we're you know there's way more than even jesus quoted here uh he may have actually read a longer part of the passage he may have read a whole section he may have read sections of scripture uh but what's highlighted by luke is just this one section of isaiah 61 and so Isaiah, here's the deal. I want to give you a little brief intro to Isaiah. So we're going to, we're going to go into teaching mode here for a second. Uh, we're going to, you're going to bust out a little bit of teaching here. Okay, I still like to preach, so the, preaching may, the teaching may come out as preaching, but it's teaching. So Isaiah is, the, is, of course, a book in the Old Testament by, written by the prophet named what? Isaiah. Okay, not all the books are like that. Sometimes they throw in a ringer, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but most of them are like that. Um, and so Isaiah is one of my favorite books in the Old Testament because Isaiah is like a bridge to the New Testament. If you took out the book of Isaiah from the Old Testament, there'd be way less connection with, with the New Testament and Jesus than there, would, than there is without it. There is so much in Isaiah. Of course, Isaiah is like this... Uh, this book, it's broken up into 66 chapters. It's interesting. This is just interesting stuff here. How many books are there in the Bible? 66, okay? How many books are in the Old Testament? 30, I know Narda knows this. <laughs> Did you know if you say your books of the Bible in order to Narda, as a kid, you get $5, I don't know what the age limit is on that. If you do, it's, it's five for the old and five for the new. What if you do them all at once? Anyway. <laughs> okay, so anyway, but here's the, there's 39, I'm, I'm, I'm getting off track here. There's 39 books in the Old Testament, and there's 27 books in the New Testament. And here's the deal. Isaiah did not originally have chapters, okay? So this, this point is not, we're not saying this is, it's very interesting. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah, there's a certain thing going on. In chapter 40, what happens is it says, the voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. What happens at the start of the New Testament? There's a guy that comes from the desert who is the voice of one calling in the wilderness named John the Baptist, prepare the way of the Lord. 
Isaiah 40 through 66 is like where the New Testament connection with Isaiah explodes. I mean, that's where you get where it says, hey, you know, uh, you will use the, the youths will renew themselves. They'll rise up on wings like eagles. It's where we get Jesus as the suffering servant where, look, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. By the, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we were or are healed. There's that whole chapter of Isaiah 53 that, that has this demonstration of who Jesus is. You know, Isaiah has the part where it says there's going to be streams in the desert. There's going to be life in the wilderness. It has the part where Isaiah sees the Lord and he's high and lifted up and the angels are crying, holy, holy, holy. And the angel comes down and touches his lips and says, your lips are now clean. You've been, you've been changed. You, you're now clean. You can stand before God. You can be in the presence of God. If that's not a picture of the New Testament, I don't know what is. In, ver- in chapter 7, that's where we hear about Emmanuel. The child is born unto us. In chapter 9 is where we hear wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. That's who he's going to be called. So without Isaiah, there's a huge part of the bridge. Hey, we got a bridge today. <laughs> There's a section of the bridge missing from the Old Testament to the New without the book of Isaiah. And so then it comes to Isaiah 61, which we just read. And I want to focus in on just the first line today. It says this again, if you want to look at it. I'm going to read the first two lines, but we're going to focus on the first line. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. We're going to get a little teacher mode here. Does anybody know what language the Old Testament was originally written in? Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek, Koine Greek, not modern Greek. So we're going to break down some Hebrew words here a little bit, okay? I don't know, I'm not a Hebrew scholar here, so just the disclaimer right here. But there is, there, is, there is so much going on here that I think we need to break it down a little bit. So the spirit, we're going to focus in on the line, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. The word spirit in Hebrew is ruach. It wasn't just my throat. You actually are supposed to... It's the guttural sound, the the hey, 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 ruach. And so the word ruach, okay, means this. Wind, breath, or spirit, most commonly. Now here's the other thing about Hebrew. First of all, it's backwards. They read from right to left. And uh, you can look it up on your phones if you're bored right now. You can search, show me some Hebrew words or something. So, uh, or if you need something to do, it helps you listen. Uh, and you can see what it looks like. But, you know, Hebrew is just this fascinating looking language. And it has a... I should have put a picture of it up there. I apologize. But, uh, you know, it has all these designs on it. But the vowels were not always originally there. And so they, the vowels are like just the marks above, above the symbols. So you've got all these weird, interesting symbols... And uh, then you've got these little things that look like just squiggles and 
marks and apostrophes and whatever and little, you know, is that a little man there or something? No, I, whatever, um, you know, above it. And that's the, that's the vowel sounds. And so there's no like, you know, each word will be different even though it, it looks like it's all a bunch of consonants together. And so the word... The other thing about Hebrew is this, is it's a pictorial language. It's, it's a picture language. It's not, like a, it's not like Greek, which is a very modern thought. Here's one thought, think this way, think this way. It was like, let me, let me paint a picture for you. And so that's why, you know, the word ruach, sometimes it's translated wind. Sometimes it's translated breath. Sometimes it's translated mind. Sometimes it's translated Little s spirit. Sometimes it's translated capital S spirit as in the spirit of God. And so it's interesting here that it's, this is defining who is doing the anointing. Because it's important for us to understand who is anointing here. We will talk about anointing starting next week. But who is doing the anointing? The spirit. So right now there's there's the article there there's the there's the they have stems in Hebrew that defi- help help you define the words as well um, and so it's defining for us the spirit there and I think it's so interesting that the spirit is also wind and breath now if you're in a spirit filled church and you've been in a spirit filled church before we always like to sing about rain and wind and blowing and you know soaking and all kinds of stuff so there's the water picture of God you know the God's presence fire you know we we love those pictures but it it's from the scripture here's the thing about breath and wind there's movement there's movement. See, the, the Spirit is all about movement. Change. Something, you know, something happens. When I, when I breathe out, there is, there's, there's actually a change going on in the atmosphere. I am breathing in and I'm taking away some of the oxygen and I am breathing out the stuff I don't need Carbon dioxide and whatever else I learned in school, it's also in our air. A little bit of nitrogen, that's all I remember. Okay, ask my son, nine-year-old son. Um, so, you know, but there's a change in the atmosphere. If we didn't have plants that were letting, you know, sucking in the carbon dioxide and letting out oxygen, eventually our atmosphere would be unbreathable because we're taking away something from it and expelling something out into it. It's the same way with the Spirit. Whenever the Holy Spirit is doing something, there's a change in the spiritual atmosphere. There's, there is a movement that's going on. And so part of His nature, part of who He is, is in His name. The, the word that describes him, the breath of God, the wind of God. You know, the first time we see the mention of the Spirit, it's very interesting. In Scripture, you like to go to the first usage in Scripture. That helps you understand this is like the first time something shows up in the Bible is always key to interpreting the rest of the times in the Bible. So in order to go figure out where the Spirit shows up first, you have to go to chapter 1 of Genesis right away. The start of the Bible. The place that even people who don't know the Bible can find the first chapter of Genesis, right? Because it's on page, well, 13 or something. (laughs) After all the other stuff that's at the front. The real first page of the Bible. 
Genesis chapter 1. It says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was, get this, hovering over the waters. So right there you have a picture of the Spirit, right? Because no one else is hovering. Jesus is not hovering. God the Father is not hovering. This, the Spirit that is hovering over this, whatever it was like before creation. Now we don't know what it was like before creation because it was forever like something else before creation. God's always been. So this is not the first thing the Spirit did. This is the first thing the Spirit did that relates to our universe. I mean, God could have like 20 universes. We don't know that. And we're just one of them. Anyway, don't, don't, get, don't get, let that weird you out too much. <laughs> I'm not, I didn't say like that was true or the Bible taught that. I'm just saying, I don't know. We don't know what was going on forever and ever and ever in all eternity going on until now, but at some point there was a beginning for us. For us, there's a beginning. For God, there's not. And so the first time we see the Spirit, He's hovering, hovering over the waters. He's kind of floating around. Gives you a picture of who He is. We'll go back to that here in just a minute. It's just interesting that the, that the Spirit is there in the beginning in creation. He is involved with what is going on. Second word we need to look at it says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. So there's there's several names from God that are in this passage. In the book in in the language of Hebrew there is several words that can describe Lord or God, uh, there's names of God, and we're not going to go into all of them today, we're just going to look at the ones in this passage. But basically it says this, the Spirit, number one, of Adonai Yahweh is upon me, and, he, and because Yahweh, or Jehovah, has anointed me. So I'm, there's three Hebrew words that are describing God right there. There's Adonai there's Yahweh, is, is the best I can pronounce that. And there's Yahweh, or Yehovah. I think it's Yahweh, but I don't really care to debate it. Yahweh is the name that was given to Moses when Moses encountered the burning bush. And Moses said in Exodus chapter 3, I'm going to go back to the people, and who should I say sent me? In other words, What's your name? Who are you? And that's where God says, I am. Yahweh, Hashem, the name of God. He reveals His, his, his personal name. Throughout Scripture, this is, this is the revelation of, of who God is. In other words, He is saying, you know, Yahweh Rapha, I am the Lord, I am God who heals you. Yahweh or Jehovah Nisi, I'm the Lord your banner. There's, there's all these names where God reveals His nature through His name. Now, there's also the idea in the Jewish thought. Am I losing anybody here? Who's lost? <laughs> okay. In the Jewish thought, 
the name of God was held in such high regard that sometimes they wouldn't even, they didn't want to say it or write it. They didn't want to, they didn't want to speak it. That's one of the reasons we don't actually know how to say the name is because they didn't want to write it in like it was fully. And so they had the abbreviation of just the consonants. Y in English would be Y-H-W-H. And depending upon the vowels that you put above it, it can be pronounced in many different ways. And so this, it was, it was, it was such an honor. I believe it's a great respect and honor for the name of God. Uh, I don't know that God, God nowhere anywhere says you can't say his name, though. It doesn't say that in the Bible anywhere. It doesn't say that anywhere in the Old Testament. It says his name should be recognized as holy. And as we come into the New Testament, he's like, no, no, now get this. It's not only that you, I want you to use the, my name when Jesus comes. is another revelation of the personal name of God the Son, Yeshua, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus Christ in Greek, Christos is Greek. And so he is revealing who he is in the same way God here in the, in the Old Testament reveals who he is. And so we see in this scripture there, there's also the word Adonai. So Adonai means this, supreme ruler. That's one of the definitions. Every Hebrew word, if you look it up in a, in a lexicon, you're gonna, you might see 20 definitions on some words. So it can mean ruler, it can mean, it can mean all kinds of things, but one of the main rule, emphasis, especially when it's applying to God Himself, is like the Lord, Master, Sovereign One. So that's what, like here in the NIV, it says Sovereign Lord. So you've got Adonai, You've, then you've got this next word, Yahweh, which is basically um, Yahweh with different vowels on it. It takes the... the I'm, I'm losing you here, huh? <laughs> this is interesting, so I'm going I'm to finish it and we'll move on. So here's the deal. There is a point to this, if you can hang with me. So you've got God's divine name. Right? Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. But you put different vowels in there, it pronounces differently. So they take another name of God and put the vowels in for that. Have you ever heard the name Elohim? Okay? Elohim is this. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. It's actually a plural form of the word L, which stands for God. So even in the beginning, God is declaring his plurality. In other words, he is three persons in one. The picture of the Trinity is in Genesis chapter 1. Right away, he's declaring who he is, that I am not like you. I am, I'm of a different nature. I am God the Son, Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One, not three. But three, not just one. <laughs> yeah, now I'm like, if you're confused about that, Welcome to Christianity. Because <laughs> that's a mystery. How can God be like that? Well, He has pictures of it all through creation. We're body, soul, and spirit. Uh, you know, height, depth, and length. There's all through creation. Uh, you know, there's threes all over the place. That's a different message, so I won't do that today. Um, so, Elohim is the first name for God, and it means kind of this. God of gods. That's, that's the emphasis right there. And so you have here the spirit of Adonai, supreme ruler, 
God's personal name with the vowels from Elohim, God of gods, is upon me. Because Jehovah, Yahweh, God's personal self, His personal name, because Yahweh has anointed me to do this. And this is why I believe this is important. We need to identify that we're not looking for just any spirit. We, this is specifically the spirit of the sovereign, supreme ruler, Elohim, God of gods, Yahweh himself. We are not interested in just spiritual things. We are not interested in a spirit. We are not interested in just some angel. We are not interested in something, anything less than who this is. This is the God of gods. This is the one who is over all. This is the one who was there at the beginning. This is the one who created all things. Who is the one that's coming upon me? Who is the one that's coming upon you? This is Him. The Spirit of the supreme God of gods who has revealed Himself as God over all, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're not interested in any spirit. We're not interested in, in just something that feels good. We're not interested in something that has something happen and have some good, good result. If it's not Him, I don't want it. So it's very specific in Isaiah. He is, he is like stacking God's names right here. He is like stacking up the descriptions right here. There is, there's all three mentions of key names of God in here along with the mention of the Spirit. So this is not just any spirit. This is not just a spirit. This is not just one of the spirits. No, this is the Spirit of the God of gods Himself. And He is the one that is doing all this. And so if we go to the, the New Testament, Acts chapter 10, and verse 38, because who is this Spirit? The Spirit is doing what? He's doing something. He's anointing. Acts 10, 38 says, How God, of course this is the New Testament, so that's, that's a theos in Greek. How God, in other words, the God of all, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So this is one of the connections we won't use one of the connections that we're going to use this week that we go, okay, this is the same Spirit that later Jesus stands up and said, the Spirit of God, the Lord is upon me, and He has anointed me. And we go to Acts chapter 10 and we say, who is that Spirit? That's the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit Himself is the one that is here in Isaiah 61. This is Him. And here's the deal. We need to have discernment because we don't want any other spirits at work in our lives or in the lives of the ones we love or in this church other than the Holy Spirit. We're not interested in just spiritual things. We're not interested in just spiritual power. We're not interested in just something amazing happening. If it's not the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, from Elohim, God of all, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who ruled and created everything, we don't want that spirit.
So we're laying a foundation before we go anywhere, before we talk about anointing, before we talk about what the anointing is, before we talk about what the anointing does, before we talk about how the anointing empowers us. We want to know who's doing the anointing. You know, I don't want, I don't want everybody laying hands on me. There's certain people, I'm not talking about you all here. <laughs> you know, I don't want everybody laying hands on me and anointing me. I want to know, who are you anointed with and what are you bringing into my life? Because if it's not the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, who's, I don't want Him. The other thing, just to be clear, is remember that the Spirit is not a force. He is not an it. Sometimes we have to train ourselves, and I know we, we use the word it sometimes, and some, you know, you're not going to go to hell if you use, call the Holy Spirit it. You might, but you're, no, okay. <laughs> you're not. That was, that was a joke, okay? But you begin to think, if you have never experienced the Spirit of God, because when He comes, He's hovering and He's breathing, He's doing all this stuff, you're like, I, I'm seeing the effects, and so you can, you can mistake the effect for the person. The effect is coming from a personal God. And so the Holy Spirit is He. He's not just a force. He's not just a feeling. He's the Spirit of God. He is equally God with Jesus the Son and the Father. He was there at creation, being a part of creation, hovering over the surface of the deep and the chaos and the void and the formlessness of all creation, whatever that was. That's the one who is upon or on me. That also, it's also a game changer because, you know what? It's not just, you know, I'm not just getting a spiritual level that's like, hey, that's pretty good. No, 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 no. No, no, you, you got number one. Number one. I mean, think about that. God could have said, hey, I'm going to send the archangel Michael to you. Okay? He's, I've never seen him. Heard stories about him last night. But uh, I've, I've, I've never met him that I know of. I've never seen an angel. Um, I've never personally encountered him. But anybody who has ever encountered angels, or you read about them in the scripture, people that encounter angels, they're always, whoa! Angels are pretty pretty impressive. Like there's, there's spiritual strength there there's 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 something about them where when they show up the first word they normally say is do not be afraid you know there's a reason you don't say that when i show up at your door and like i'm you know you don't go i don't have to say do not be afraid yet because there's nothing scary about a person who weighs 150 pounds okay (laughs) you know you're not physically scared of me if you meet me in a dark alley you're like all right no big deal um (laughs) Meet somebody else, you know, you may be a little more scared. So it's like, you know, we're not just, we don't want to, we want to know that as impressive as all the angels are, when Isaiah in chapter 6, you know, he sees the angels, they're flying around, they're covering their, their faces and their feet, they've got six wings, so they cover their face and their feet and still fly around and cry, holy, holy, holy. As amazing as they are, their voices are shaking the heavens, the literal foundations of heaven itself. It says they're shaking with their voices, not God's voices, the voice of the angels 
That is not who we are anointed with. That is not who comes upon us. It is someone greater. Not just the top angel. Not just the most powerful one. No, this is, this is God Himself. The Holy Spirit. The ruler of all. The King of kings. And the Lord of lords. We, the Spirit of God is upon me. It's a big game changer. Because it's not just a one level up. No, it's like, whoa. Way up. I mean, God really just traded up with us. He's like, all right, what do you have to offer? Nothing. <laughs> nothing good. You've got nothing good. Guess what? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you my son. I'm going to, I'm going to give you my son. And I'm going to kill him for you. So you, I don't have to kill you. And he's going to rescue you for it from all that darkness, all that junk, and He's going to take you out of darkness. He's going to bring you into His marvelous light. He's going to transfer you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son He loves. He's going to make, bring you from being a slave to sin to being a child of God. And then guess what? Then I'm going to give you and fill you and saturate you and anoint you and put... My Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity Himself is going to fill you and come upon you and anoint you. That's a big trade-up right there. It's a huge trade-up. And so I don't want to diminish, I don't want to limit God in any way in my life because it's not about my life. There's no limitation anymore because it's not about me. Once it becomes about me, guess what? There's a huge limitation. There's nothing John can do to help you. I mean, I might even, there's nothing I can do that's worthwhile without what the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord has given me. And we are nothing. I mean, Jesus said, uh, I, I can do nothing without the Father. In other words, I can do nothing without God Himself. I can do nothing without the Father and the Spirit leading. I can do nothing without Him. I'm the same way. If Jesus was, how much more am I the same way needing the Spirit? One last thing, and we'll close for this teach, preach. Preach, teach, preach, teach, preach. It's interesting, and I know I've, I've, I've probably even heard some messages on this before. When the, when the Spirit first shows up, it's, it's interesting that He is the one that's hovering kind of over this thing that's called this, the dark, the earth was formless and void, and there's the, the, the idea even is that there was like chaos, there was not order, and the darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, the surface of the deep, the word deep there is also talking about, in most times in Hebrew, just deep waters, the, the depth of like the ocean or something like that. And so the Spirit of God is the one who comes in and meets darkness. He is the one who comes and confronts the darkness in our lives. He is the one who comes and confronts the darkness in our world. He's the one that is hovering. No, he doesn't run away. He just kind of, he's right there. And I believe that first picture of the Spirit of God Himself is just a foreshadowing of part of what His work is going to be doing is He's going to come and He's going to come what was darkness. And guess what happens in verse 
3 of Genesis, let there be light. God says, let there be light. And there was light. Same thing with the Holy Spirit. He comes and He hovers over the darkness in our lives, over the darkness in other people's lives that we're around, over the darkness in our nation, over the darkness in our world. And He's there saying, let there be light. Let there be life. Let there, let there, be, let there be something spring forth from nothing. I think we'll stop there. So that's our introduction to Isaiah 61 and the first line of Isaiah 61. God is going to take us on a journey into the depths of the Spirit of God so that we can know Him better and better. Because if we don't know Him, if we don't know who He is and what He's doing, then all this other stuff that's in Isaiah 61, we don't need to worry about yet because we've got to connect to Him first. We've got to make sure that we are connected And we are anointed with Him because He is the one that brings forth all of those amazing things that we read in all those verses, all the things springing forth, all the prisoners being set free. All of that stuff has a a start in a source of the Spirit of God. So if you stand with me, I just want to pray. I just want you to to get yourself kind of in a posture of being open to God. Because all we're doing is is today is we've we've had a a good encounter with, with the Lord during worship. And we've kind of we've had him increase our hunger because really that's what we need. We need we need an increase of hunger because if you hunger and thirst, then you'll be filled. And it's always the hungry who are hungry for God who begin to see God move in, in amazing ways, begin to see the breath, the movement of God that begins to happen in their lives, which we all desperately need, whether we know it or not. But it's that hunger where we are awakened, where we know I need this. So right now, I just pray, Lord, every single one of us who's open, I just want you to say right now, I am open to you, Holy Spirit. Yes, I am open to you, Spirit of God. Whatever you want, Lord, we are, we are, we are connecting with you. We are surrendering to you. We are submitting to you. We are aligning ourselves with you. We want to be lined up with you. You are the Spirit of truth. You are the Spirit of Jesus Christ. You are the Spirit of the Son. You are the Spirit of the Father. You are the Spirit who brings freedom. You are the Spirit of faith. You are the Spirit that brings the Jesus back from the dead the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit, we are asking You to have free reign in our lives. Teach us, Lord. Lead us. It says You will lead us into all truth. You will teach us all things. You, will, you are the One who comes alongside of us. You are the Counselor, the Comforter, the Paraclete, the One who is with us, the One who never leaves us. We need to know You. Help us know You better, Holy Spirit. Lord, for every single person who the Holy Spirit has been a confusing person or subject, Lord, I just declare clarity right now that, the, that there'd be wisdom and revelation. There'd just be a, a clearing out of chaos. Just as there was in creation, there's going to be light. There's going to be, there's going to be things that are formed together. There's going to become to structures coming together. There's going to be separation of day and night. There's going to be clear differentiation between what's God and what's not God. What is light and what is dark? What is day and what is night? There's going to be a differentiation between the spiritual things that are from you and the spiritual things that are not from you.
Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives. We look forward to what you're going to be doing in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You are dismissed if you need prayer.